Hello, Defenders. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Andrew on Texas Criminal Defense. My name is Andrew Harris, and as always, joining me is Andrew Decker. How are you, sir? I'm well, thank you, Mr. Harris. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Um, that was a weird way not to Not in the that. office, so, I see. We're not in the office. I mean, you're no, presumably no, no. in your office. Yeah, we, I am in the office. We, you, are not in the office. Well, I have a home office, and I'm currently in my home office, if that means anything. I mean, the little. It's almost like okay. fraud, though, saying you're here. <laughs> I guess I guess it would be. Um, if I, yeah. So that's kind of a segue. I, I, that I was exactly a segue. That's how a segue works, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Just Decker threw me off guard. Going. It was so good. Yeah, because because girl, I'm smooth. Did you call me girl? What? I did. <laughs> this is so weird. So I've had a couple. See, of see, there cases. I just do you? Yeah. Do, yeah, you ruined it. Um, we're, this is like a, we're going to be talking a little bit on the white collar crime side, aren't we? A little bit, but we're really going to jump to something something that that caught me off guard, um, and yeah. it caught several prosecutors off guard so so uh, yeah i mean and this is i say it's white collar it's really the blue collar version of a white collar crime because yeah, we're talking we're gonna really talk about right construction right. We're accounts contractors. yeah so so tell us um you know what when was the last time you had one of these cases like a I contractor truly, fraud type case uh, i truly just finished one up uh maybe two weeks ago uh, I've been appointed on a couple of them. I've been retained on a few of them. Um, uh, and it's it's a misappropriation of contractor funds. And most of the yes. time, it it looks like, and this is kind of where, where it becomes difficult, contractor is... Um, really glorified handyman. It's not, it's not a guy that's got a team. Right. right. Glorified handyman who agrees to uh, do a little, you know, little fix up at the house, maybe rebuild a fence, um, do some work for a family. And something goes wrong. It could be uh, that, that they and the owner get in disagreements about really what they were hired to do or uh, they they just aren't getting the get it done as fast as the homeowner thought they should, and contractor walks off the job or gets fired, quote unquote. And that's where the real disagreement really becomes is, but there's an expectation from the homeowner that some of the money that they spent would be given back. So. Yeah, I mean, and that, in almost every one of these cases, that that that's kind of the starting factors. So I've had I've had these filed a couple of different ways, right? Misapplication of trust funds, which who knew a contractor should have a trust account? Not me, certainly. Um, but also just most contractors up, like, don't. That's the surprising part. Go ahead. Exactly right. Um, and and even the licensed contractors that I've talked to have uh, that I've dealt with personally are also surprised about that, but. Um, but like you said, there's different value amounts. And, and a lot of the times these contractor quote unquote theft cases 
are, are filed just like a felony theft. I've had one recently was just dismissed because the uh, complainant, I guess the property owner, wanted all of their money back. And we were able to show he's not entitled to any money back because he's only paid half of the bill and my client did half of the work. So how is he wanting any money back? He was wanting the money back because the project wasn't finished, but he didn't pay for a full finished project, right? And so it's it can be, uh, I think in that instance, you know, a theft charge, if they could prove it, was probably accurate, the, the right way to do it. But they could have also charged him with misapplication of trust funds, right, under the property code. Right. And, and so so let's back up a little bit, right? You, you, you gave an example of, They've done some work, they've spent some money, and it's not getting done as fast as they wanted. They get fired. Does the person deserve money back? Has their crime been committed? Because lots of times, let's just kind of go with, with what happens often when you hire a contractor to come in and anywhere from paint your house to redo your floors to actually doing a remodel. Often you're going to give them, let's say it's it's a pretty significant job, a $50,000 job, you're going to end up paying them somewhere between 15 and 30 up front because yeah. they're going to end up having to spend most of that money on supplies. Right. Right. They're not going to, they're not going to go buy your, and, and, and I say from painting house, but if you're really doing a, a remodel job, you're going to spend some significant money pretty quickly. They're going to need to go and buy some supplies. They need to go get the flooring, the carpet, the the new drywall. Um, they need to hire an electrician to do some work. So they end up having to get a good chunk of that money up front. Well, that you and seems I, to be industry standard, right? Right. You and I get, we try to ask for a chunk of money up front. Because often if we get the case done quickly, we know we're not going to get paid the rest of it at the end. Right. Right. Yes. Um, but the contractor really is trying to just cover their initial costs and then they'll get paid for their labor later. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, a contractor has more remedies at his disposal to get paid than like we would. I mean, we could definitely sue our clients, but I think that'd be a really bad right. business yeah, and decision. I think talk, right. I, I think we've talked about it. And if we haven't talked about it, uh, we definitely could. It is not a smart idea to sue your clients. Um, when you're a lawyer. Yes. But right. for contractors, they just put, they can put a lien on the house. Right. I mean, right. exactly. They, they've done the judgment, work. Put a lien. Didn't... Yeah, didn't put the last of the money and you know, you may wait 15 years for them to sell that house, but sure. th there is a remedy. So but let's say, yeah, go ahead. right. So th that's kind of the industry standard. So most people, if they've done anything like this, your mechanic can be the same way. Uh, anytime they're having to buy parts or supplies, often they go, Hey, I'm going to need, I'm going to need most of this. I'm going to need a chunk of it down to cover my costs so that I can do the work. Makes sense. Yes. So in your scenario, the guy's, he's been paid about half the money. He's bought some supplies. He's done a little bit of work and they don't like the work he's done or they staying too long. He may not have, he may not have really taken home a dime yet. He didn't, he didn't make any money because he, 
Yeah, because he had subcontractors he needed to hire to start prepping the site and all this kind of stuff, right? So yeah, my guy didn't make a dime. Right. And, then, and then he had to hire me to fight this charge for him. Well, okay. <laughs> Which is, I mean, but but honestly, like, can you imagine? I, I mean, that's, I, oh, I understand it, it, contractors have, you know, have, have earned, some contracts have earned a reputation. Um, and, and I've never had a contractor work for me that, that has ever wronged me in any way, but it, it appears that's kind of what happened here. Like this person, right. I don't know why, just assumed that he was getting robbed when in fact, like they'd done some substantial work. So neither right. here so nor there, man. No, but that's, th those are good facts in a case like this, because it might show that this is not fraud against the client. This is just a civil disagreement about, um, should you have done the work faster? Should you not? Do I, who owes who money? That's, that shouldn't be a criminal charge. Right. 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 Yes. But it shouldn't. When you, when you have, and this is where it gets messy. Someone who says I've ordered the parts. They haven't come in yet. So the one that I just finished up most recently, I've ordered the specialty doors and they haven't come in yet. I've ordered the specialty doors. They haven't come in yet. And after about three months of being told that, the homeowner called the door company. Okay. And what happened? Right. Oh, it hadn't been ordered yet. Yeah, yeah, that door hadn't been ordered at all. They'd given them a substantive amount of money to order doors. And the doors have never been ordered. Man. Well, okay, that, so that, that, that sounds like a problem. That Yeah, that might be theft or fraud, right? So when right. it was originally indicted, and, and, and so this is where I'm going to start with the uh, Texas Penal Code. Um, it was indicted by someone other than the, than the um, uh, prosecutor in the courtroom. It was, you know, it's a, it's a court that's it's one of our larger counties. And mm -hmm. we got it back, and I was like, I, I was like, this this doesn't make any sense because um, uh, under under the fraud statute, fraud, you know, we looked at the numbers, and th it didn't make sense because all of them are they basically run parallel to our theft statutes, less than a hundred dollars, one seven one hundred to seven fifty, seven fifty to twenty five hundred, et cetera. Um, and that's in the penal code. Of, you're talking chapter 32 uh, numbers, right? Yes, right. Okay. Chapter 32 numbers. And they run very, very similar to what right. uh, to our theft statutes. Those are the right. same numbers. And they run the same scale. Okay. Right. So you and I know those numbers well enough that we just kind of go, yeah, if it says 750 to 2,500 first offense, you know that that's a class A misdemeanor. You don't even really have to right. check. You know what that fraud or that theft amount is worth, right? Right. And we often see um, now cars, instead of being listed as UUMVs, they're listed as theft over 30, but, theft but less than 150, because right. that makes that unauthorized use of a motor vehicle not a state jail felony, but a third-degree felony, because third the value is more than the, than the car.
right. statute, right? So, so we've all seen that, right? Right, Mr. Chair? Following me? Absolutely. Yes, I am. Okay. <laughs> so when I got an indictment that said fraud greater than 500, I was like, what? That doesn't, that, that's not how that works. Uh, right. So, which is, which is interesting to me because it's the, it's misapplies trust fund amount up uh, over 500. Right. Right. But again, just kind of looking at it and reading it like it's fraud, right? My mind went like, okay, class B misdemeanor. Fantastic. Yeah. Right. And it's been indicted as a felony. And so, I actually kind of called the prosecutor or emailed the prosecutor and said, does this number seem weird? And he goes, yeah, I don't know. I agree. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So I filed a motion to quash and went and talked to him. And then it got moved from a normal caseload to the white collar crime caseload. Mm -hmm. And they all went, oh, it's because it's under not, this isn't being charged under the penal code. This is being charged under property code. Yeah, and you know how I love it when we have more than one code. This is why I was excited about this and said we all talk about it. Property <laughs> code chapter one sixty two. You know I love it when we have to go to different codes to find our criminal statutes. Yeah, love is an right. interesting word there, buddy. Um, I but you know I love it. this is where I dig it. You know, it normally is. it goes to my it goes to my advantage. This time it did not. Yeah, I've had one of those, and I've got one pending right now. Um, the interesting thing is. You know, they may, they, they may very well have a really good case against my client, but they just can't find the uh, subcontractor anymore. So we mm-hmm. are, we've, we've been waiting for forever and I'm just letting it ride, man. Um, uh, you know, I think time is, is on our friend with this case. Um, but right. So we're looking at chapter 162. It's an interesting chapter of because it says code. of the property code, sorry. Texas Property Code, Title 10, Subtitle B, Chapter 162. And it it directs contractors to have a trust account. Like attorneys need to have trust accounts. Contractors need to have trust accounts. And if you look at subsection B, it makes it a, a, um, it makes it a crime not to, or I should say. Right, right. Let's not not even get that far down. Okay. All right. Let's let's kind of work through this. We're not going to go through the whole thing, ladies and gentlemen. You can read it. We've given you the statute I mean, but it's number. not a very long chapter. It, no, it really it's not isn't. a very long chapter. Um, and it right? seems to be pretty straightforward, but let's this, do it. Yeah. Right. So, so first line, construction payments are trust funds under this chapter if the payments are made to a contractor or subcontractor or others under a construction contract for the improvement of a specific real property in this state. So every time you hire a contractor, it's a trust payment, right? I mean, yes. And literally that that's 0.001. 0.002 is contractors as trustees, a contractor, subcontractor, owner or officer, director or agent of a contractor, subcontractor or owner who receives trust funds or who has control or direction of trust funds is a trustee of the trust funds. Woo, man, that's a lot of responsibility there. Right, Um, yeah, so so let's, 
Yeah. Can I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick up. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to pick on our handyman that's decided to do a little more than just handyman work. But let's think about some of the people we know that act as handymen, right? And then they've kind of grown into they're now going to do improvements, not just fix the sink, but they're actually going to remodel the bathroom. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot more detailed than, right. I mean, you're talking like, um, we start talking like trust funds and trust accounts and, and all that you really need, you know, obviously if you're in contracting, go talk with your banker about getting a contractor's trust account. But, but also there is a, you know, subsection C here does provide an out for the contract, for the contractor, right? A right. fee payable to a contractor is not considered trust funds if they have owned, if the property owner and the contractor entered into a written construction contract for the improvement of specific real property uh, before the commencement of construction. So, so it's, it's, it's not, I guess it would be, a trust it needs to be paid into a trust account if it's like a handshake agreement. Yeah. Rather so. than rather than, you know, whatever. But the funny thing is the case in Tarrant County that I'm that I'm representing a guy on, um, it's so it's so weird, man, how sometimes these big commercial projects, these contractors and subs, they know each other, they've worked with each other before. A lot of times you're talking about big time numbers. For these big projects and it's all on a handshake isn't that crazy yeah i mean that that to me is i mean obviously you're that's not best practices you're asking for for trouble but that's just the nature of the business uh and it has been for forever you know um and so that kind of makes sense right if it's it, it, to me well i mean what do you think about that andrew does it make sense to you if it is pursuant to a written contract <laughs> That's right. not you, subject to read, the trust funds. Well, but if you, if you read, you know, but it is as long as you don't hit one sixty two point oh oh six amounts, right? That's that, that's the hanging chat on that on that statement. And if you go down, God, I love codes sometimes. Chat uh, section one sixty two point oh oh six. A contractor enters into a written contract. For an amount exceeding five thousand dollars, Andy, you can't get your house painted for five thousand dollars. Oh, that's the truth, man. That is right? the truth. I mean, if you really, if you really hired a professional painter to come in and paint the house, you're going to hit. You, you could easily hit five thousand dollars. You may not, but um, but if you're doing no, any real work, if you're going to do any real work on your home. Uh, you know, if if tile or flooring costs, you know, a dollar a square foot, and you're doing it in a uh, a small um, twelve hundred square foot home, but that doesn't include installation. Well, twelve hundred times a dollar is twelve hundred dollars, but then installation. So you could be hitting that five thousand dollars. Well, man, these quick. numbers are getting they're getting way too. I got to write some of this stuff down. You said a dollar a square foot and right. a twelve hundred square foot house. Right. But Man, you just you lost price... me. <laughs> Sorry. Oh dear Lord. I know, I know. But, but that but that's a small home. That's a small and cheap 
project. Sure. Yeah. Right. Um, and may not include insulation, may not tear it up, may not, you know, so you start adding all the numbers and you easily get to a $5,000 amount on a home. So probably, remember when I said that $50,000 remodel? Yeah. Even if there's a written contract and it says where all the money's going, that initial payment of fifteen dollars to $30,000 is supposed to go into a a uh, construction account with a in a financial institution labeled construction account. All right. I, I think that's probably been my experience. I, I don't think I've done I, one. I've not paid cash to any contractor. And I think it's all going to a specific construction account. Now, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, right. So that so unlike unlike yours and mine, uh, so so most of the people listening to this podcast are uh, attorneys or want to be attorneys, um, and by that I mean they want to eventually become attorneys, not they want to be attorneys. Like they're not really attorneys. Um, <laughs> right. Um, we have to have a trust account, and we cannot commingle funds. Uh, correct. Right. That is yes. That is did. one of the yeah. things that, that state bar gets called. You cannot do that. Well, they, that is the number one way attorneys get disbarred. Right. Um, under under section one sixty two, uh, they can commingle funds, and it doesn't make or break the trust account rule. I did not know that. Yeah, it's it's somewhere in there. I mean, I, I've read it again. It's short. You can, yeah. you, you know, our, our listeners can find it. So, what do you but what do you it, mean? I guess they can use they can take payment from one client and use that money for materials or labor on a different project. Uh, I would take it that they're that the way I read it was if I have my construction account in my basic business account, if I have my you and I have a IALTA. Right. And a business account, yes, and and a personal account. So, so I'm, you and I have talked enough. We we know we have at least three three accounts. Yes. Um. Uh. In theirs, um, they can run their business out of their construction account. Yes. Yes. Got you. That's, so their bills that's the way directly out of the construction account. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. I, I mean that. And that that's really where a lot of these uh, our contractor clients come into uh, into trouble is is when they are you know for lack of a better phrase robbing Peter to pay Paul right I mean they're they're then it then it kind of turns into like a Ponzi scheme <laughs> you're using money from one project to finish up another project and now you don't have money to go back and finish that first project you know what I mean right um, and and that is that is what I hear from almost every one of the clients I have. On these cases, well, I would say three, uh, three out of the five. That's exactly what they said. Well, you know, yeah. if things were tight, expenses went yeah. up, and so I just didn't have the money, and so I was, you know, uh, and so I, you know, and you go, wait a second, you should have gone back and said, I bid it at this when I went to buy it, it cost me, you know, twenty percent more. Yeah. You don't, you know, and at some point you go, look, I bid it because on the 1st of November, they said it was 
a dollar a square foot. And when I went to actually buy it on the 10th of November, it was now a dollar 20 a square foot. And I, I can't eat that much money. You're going to have to pay the difference. Yeah. I, I, I think if I've, I, I think that contractors can avoid a lot of this if they are more open with their, with, at least with my clients, they're more open with the homeowners and the, and the project directors or whatever, but also having better contracts, having something that says, Hey, by the way, you know, this, the, the fee will reflect market changes. Um, and you know, that cost will be passed on to the project or whatever. I mean, right. I, I've I think actually, there's I've ways. Actually, yeah, I've actually seen some contracts um, that have a twenty or thirty percent overrun, like as the last line item, and it and, and it says this one may not be there. You may get this one back, but we're bidding it with a twenty five percent overrun because of fluctuations in market and time. Right. Yeah. Well, they That's... just they. They, it, but that's someone who's done enough business. They know that right. That these supplies. Well, you know, and for and for these little, like you said, these little solo uh, neighborhood handyman who's trying to trying to get more business and run a contracting business. You know, they're trying to get trying to get to win these bids or trying to win these jobs, and so I, I that's just where a lot of this, um, you know, becomes problematic when you're you know going with the cheapest offer ever it's not right it's just not something that's like really um it just creates a lot of problems if you're not taken into account like a realistic number right and, and you and i yeah. both said you know we didn't really know these things existed i've talked to some contractors they didn't know they existed so the need for the trust the the, the trust account is from 1983, not effective 1984. Yeah, so it's right? been around for a minute. Yeah, it's been it's been around a minute. Well, um, and I, I that's probably the one of these latest... things that like, like when you get as a licensed contractor, I imagine that's on the exam is you know the fiduciary side of being a contractor. One would assume like these... as much as you and I get, right. Right. I mean, one would assume, yeah. So I, I think like, you know, if so long as you're not like a mom and pop kind of uh, shade tree contractor, I imagine they do know about it, but, I, you know, maybe not. I don't know. Right. But like yeah. the most recent updates were from 2009, but they were minor updates. So then we get to the numbers. Okay. All right. So, well, first of all, you actually have to, to, intend to defraud or uh, there's actually a, an intent to defraud or just a basically accidental um, uh, def defraudment. Okay. Okay. So the numbers in these, again, $5,000, anything more than $5,000 is supposed to go through the, through the trust account. That's not a lot of money in today's, uh, right. home market. You've been, you've remodeled a home recently. Yes. Right. Is that a cheap expense? 5,000 is nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. And, and you've been doing it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to say piecemeal. That doesn't mean like yeah. you're doing it on the cheap, but no, you're doing it as you can pay for it in cash. Correct. 
yeah. And you've still had um, a few things that cost probably $5,000. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a few things. Right. Um, Ongoing, never ending project. But yes, um, you're right. But so, okay. So everything, any project at 5,000 or more needs a trust account. But you could be prosecuted if what? If you, but that number, that threshold number um, is $500. Is you misapply $500. $500. That to me is an insanely low number. Yeah. Because, because the, the, the misappropriation, we're now, we're now down towards the bottom where subchapter B, misapplication of trust funds. Um, the penalty is a class A misdemeanor for someone who misapplies trust funds. Okay, so if, I, so that's if that's, it's just that, that, happenstance, right? So that's the I got paid and I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul, and so uh, you know I'm, I haven't quite bought all the supplies for your house, but I need to pay my my workers on the other house, so I'm going to pay them. So that they'll come over and now finish your house and, and I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. I'm basically check kiting, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing the check and hoping I can get them deposited in before the other one clears. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a class A misdemeanor. A trustee who misapplies trust funds of $500 or more with an intent to defraud commits a third degree felony. So in essence, then our prosecuting authorities are likely just filing these as a third degree felony with an option to maybe reduce it down to a class A misdemeanor. I, right. I mean, like that's, that's essentially like how I read that because intent is probably only ever uh, proven by circumstantial evidence. And I imagine it's not a big leap for a prosecutor to say, Class A misdemeanor, third degree felony. Yeah, I think we can prove intent, third degree felony. Right. It, it, it's one thing if it's if. Yes, I, I think most of the time they're going to be able to do it. So in the example that I had, where the guy kept telling the ladies, "I've ordered the door," and again, it was like a twenty thousand dollar French door. It was, it was the heftiest piece in in this contract. It's crazy to me in renovating this house how expensive doors are. It's it is insane. So you can imagine a twenty thousand dollar French door. It would be a very nice door, but I can definitely see somebody spending that kind of money on a door. And, and it is right. a very so, important part of a home renovation. I just I just gasp at the price of some of these doors. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. The, I'm amazed what things cost. Yeah, agreed. It means okay. we're getting old, Mister Harris. It means we're getting old. But in my day, so, yeah, exactly. I know, exactly. Back when I was building doors, I just cut down a tree. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. That's not true. Um, but it's but that intent comes from that lie that goes on for several months, right? I think a jury would yeah. believe he intended to defraud him. It wasn't. Hey, the, the door came in. I ordered the door late because I, I was on the roll. Right. It was, he didn't have the money anymore to, to order those doors and they hadn't been ordered. And it wasn't just one door. Like it was like the doors and then there were a couple of other things. 
And so that intent becomes a whole lot easier than, you know, I'm just running behind because I'm trying to do too much. So um, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that history or that, uh, that track record that they have as far as like telling their client, Hey, it's ordered, we're waiting, it's ordered, we're waiting. And then that comes out not to be true would definitely prove intent. I, I have a case where, um, had a case, sorry, where, you know, and, and I think the state probably tries to do this in every single one of their cases, but they subpoenaed bank records. And so they can show that like, Hey, my guy promised a subcontractor this, but never had it in a contractor account, never had these funds. Um, nothing close to those funds in this in this contractor account, um, which this, which could be another way to prove intent, right? Um, right. The failure to establish a construction account is a class A misdemeanor. Huh. I wonder. I don't know if if you know this with, is contractor with proper accounting records. That's what it says. So 162, this is under the penalties, 032 penalties C. We just went through A and B on the, is it a misdemeanor or is it a felony? A trustee who fails to establish or maintain a construction account in violation of section blah, 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 or fails to establish or maintain an account record yeah. commits a class A misdemeanor. I mean, this if you have a construction account, don't you, and like goes through like a reputable bank, wouldn't you then maintain an account record? Like the bank would just do that automatically, right? Well, but one would the, assume the bank, the bank's going to know what you deposited and what you pulled out, but they're going to not know if that's supposed to, you know, if, if. Oh, I see what you're saying. It, so the bank, right. Again, let's go back to, our, based to, off to of whatever. Well, let's just go to our IALTA account. The bank knows I have money in there and I have some for, uh, XYZ trial fee, some uh, prepaid, right? Some, you know, it's it, I'm on retainer to write letters for a business. Okay. The bank does not know out of my, we're just going to use, since we've talked about $50,000 already, $50,000 that $10,000 is it for this trial. 7,000 is prepaid. 5,000 right. is the business I write letters for. They just know that there's $50,000 in there. Yeah. So I, because again, if somebody says I didn't use my trust funds correctly, I have, you know, case one, this is how much money they pay me, this is how much they owe me. This is, tri this is trial fee. This is right. prepaid. This is and so I have a different ledger for each one of those people and then a ledger in full. So, okay. yes. Yeah. I mean that, and that we've talked, we've talked with Brett Mayer who kind of walked us through like best practices for on the finance it, side and how that and I'm not nearly as good as Brett that and all that, right. you know, I mean, he, yeah. So go back and listen to that episode. It was in like season two or three, I believe, but um he, he, he very, very good. Also, the state bar has an ethics hotline. TC, uh, TCDLA has an ethics hotline. If you have any questions about that um, for as far as like the attorney side. Right. Here, but that's we're just talking, giving us the, Right. I'm using that as an is, example Andrew, I hope our attorneys are familiar with. Right. But 
but also, you know, we're overeducated, right? Like we are fairly competent uh, individuals, I, I think. Maybe speak for yourself. More than others. <laughs> what? A, but not to knock our contractor brethren um, and friends, but it's not as how should I say, like educationally rigorous. I do know a lot of contractors who went to college, majored in construction science. They handle big stuff. I, I do know some people who didn't go to college who are very good contractors. Um, yeah. But it, but it's, you know, you don't technically need all that education to, to be a contract. Have I completely alienated and offended everybody? That, or am I, is that- As usual. Cross, right? As usual. Okay. Yeah, so, as usual. No, but, but that's but what our friends still, say earlier, but that stuff right? is still difficult for us overeducated lawyers to comprehend. I mean, people are still being disbarred for failing to abide by these rules. And yet, the bar for becoming a contractor is seemingly much lower. Yes. And we're yes. kind of requiring because the you don't same have to be thing licensed. as this. You, you, you do not right. have to be licensed to be a contractor, to be a handyman right. who's decided I'm going to take on a bigger project. Um. So the idea that they would know to have a, have this construction account and to have it well documented that I received thirty thousand dollars for this we're, we're knowing that you're you know I know you've for the Harris home and yep. uh, out of the fifty thousand dollar bill and the first ten thousand dollars is going for all the granite that Mister Harris is putting in his house. Oh, granted. And I've written oh. that check, right? I'm just just using it as an example. Just stay with me, man. Right? I mean, I want people but here you to got, know you that got I'm it. class, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, we're, 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 continue. <laughs> Marble, but, but you would have to granite. Come on. Well, see, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, anywho, get back to the point. The point being. Is that you? If you if you follow those things through, um, you end up with you can see exactly where Mister Harris' money went. And when I've spent, when that contractor spent all thirty thousand of it, and says, "Hey, I didn't order the doors because the granite costs a lot more than I expected it to," there's not a hidden. There's not. I I can bring yeah. you the receipt and the check and go. I misbid. And if you watch home improvement shows, you get that all the time. They're like, ooh, we, under, we sure. underbid this piece, right? Ergo, yeah, or something the, came the up, right? Like that. right? Exactly. Um, exactly. So, okay, so, those... so best practices going forward, right? And our defenders who are trying to look at some of these cases, you know, what, what do you think they should be looking for? Just, just advise their client to do it different next time? Um, I, I would ask for, do you have receipts? Do you have receipts yeah. for the work you did or for the supplies you bought? But like this guy goes, man, I, you know, I can't believe they turned on me. Well, I'm, it's not enough. So the other thing I've had, yeah. a, I've had a couple of these dismissed fairly quickly because they came in and they said, yeah, uh, the, you know, especially coming out of COVID in COVID, it all went South. I lost all my money. I've done a few more jobs. I have some money. I'm willing to repay them plus a little damages almost like with the civil deal. And they go, and the DA go, let me talk to them. They're going to pay yeah. you back what you paid them. Uh, plus a little bit of money to help cover, you know, is that all right? 
Yeah, good. Dismissal. Oh, and, oh I'm yeah. sorry. Right. Um, I, that's so that's probably that my works. main. My, yeah, that's that's my main issue with these white collar cases is they should. It's oftentimes being prosecuted, in my opinion, because the complainant does not want to take the time or expense to file against them in small claims court or in a civil court. Um, instead, so I've had one. I've the had DA's one where he already. That. Yeah. No, I have one where part of the evidence was he did not respond on the deceit uh deceitful practices act in texas so he had already been it was about fifty thousand, fifty-two thousand. he already had a judgment because under that you get times yeah, two right. or times three however yeah, you want to yeah. put it right yes so it was a hundred and fifty six thousand dollar judgment so there was no restitution in the deferred adjudication right yeah that makes sense yeah um, and, and so also, they had already like, seen, that I, and he did. He did yeah. not answer at all. Well, just just and that's why just I, from coming coming from what um, you just said about you know uh, working out good deals and restitution and all that. I also am very careful about not letting complainants get a windfall from you know from a case like this. I I I am verifying any restitution requests. Um, I'm asking for receipts. I'm asking for pictures. Anything they can prove up their requested restitution because I I'm just against like, okay, just because, you know, somebody may have like walked off a job that does not mean um, you get everything under the sun that you're asking for. You're not entitled to a windfall. Right. Does that make sense? Um, and yeah. so I think it's like, you know, Hey, and you're in that instance, what you were talking about is, is, Hey, the, you know, we're going to help cover the cost of some of like maybe some repairs or whatever. Um, in addition to what you you know was paid to your client, I think that's different than like in my case that got dismissed, where they were like, "We want twenty thousand dollars," when they only paid in ten grand. You know what I mean? And and so that yeah, was no, that, that's that's not right. That is not justice in any sense of the word. So yeah, yeah. I, these well, are really fascinating God. cases. I shy away from taking white collar stuff sometimes, but, but you're right. I mean, it is, it's, it's different. It's not in the, the penal code. And so it kind of, you know, it's something new and something, um, you know, a new challenge to kind of work through, uh, but they're not difficult. You know, they're, they just, they just take a little bit of like fine tuning, looking at the numbers. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes. And it's also that reminder, if you get served with a lawsuit, no matter how frivolous or how big, What's the first thing you have to do, Mr. Harris? Oh, answer it. File an answer. 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 Just, this guy didn't any answer. General denial. Just stuff. write it on a piece of paper. General denial. That's it. Right. Right. Even if you don't hire an attorney, if you're not an attorney, show up and go, I didn't do it. At least make them beat it back a little bit. This guy didn't show yeah. up and he had a hundred. It, 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 it cost him more than $100,000 just because he didn't show up. Yeah. And then he ended up, they walked that across the street to go, look, he committed fraud. Well, you know. <laughs> Ooh. So it cost yeah. him a whole lot I mean, more. When it rains, it pours, right? Yeah. Yeah. If he, if he would have responded initially before they even filed a suit, he probably could have worked it out. He, would he have been out some money? Yes. But would he not have this arrest and this lawsuit and this 
uh, probation, definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Yep. You got it. You got it. Well, again, I don't think most of them know it's there. I think we all can get sloppy with our money, especially when we're a little behind on something. Um, uh, you and I both know that that happens to some of our attorney friends. It happens to other people. Um, well, it's an I, easy trap to fall into, but that, that's uh-huh. gotta be, it's gotta be one, uh, you know, we not only are trustees of this money, I, I believe we, we have a fiduciary duty also to our clients, but um, not, maybe not fiduciary in the way that financial advisors do, but anyways, the, the, it is an easy, easy trap to fall into, but you, you can't let that like, I don't know, laziness or whatever else you're going through to interfere with that part of your business. Correct. Right. I mean, that's just how important it is. Yeah. So that's all I got on this, man. It was interesting. Um, uh, I always love learning new things. And this was, these were a few cases in the last two years where I've had that um, and uh, learned more. And so love sharing it with our, with our friends and audience. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, it is, it, it can be something like pretty straightforward. Um, so don't shy away from taking these cases. You know, they, um, we, we there, there's still plenty of area and opportunity for us to help in these instances. Yes, exactly. All right, man. So, well, what, what else you got, Mr. Harris? I got nothing. That's it. I, I had trial last week. It, it kind of, you know, went my way, kind of not. Anytime I can get in there and beat the offer uh, and just make the prosecutors work for it, I, I'm happy to do so. Um, you know, we're going to have, I think, some upcoming interviews that I'm really excited about uh, and, yes. and hopefully will be very beneficial to our listeners. Um, but hey, if you yeah, guys... So we're, we're almost at the end of the year. We've got... Uh, Ooh, this is our yeah. November 14th. We have our December 1st. We'll have our holiday special. And then uh, yeah, we, New it, Year's it, Day, we'll any topic. A- any topics for the holiday special, you know, otherwise Andrew and I are just going to loudly talk about DWI and assault family violence again for the sixth year in a row. I, we did not talk about that last year. I don't think we, I think we've, we're not that bad. <laughs> well, no, that's true. We did, we did mental health last year. We may do yeah, that again yeah. this year. It's been a hard year. It's been a hard year. It may be an ongoing thing. Um, yeah. But, uh, but but yeah, so any topics, any guest ideas, please reach out to us, texascrimdefense.com. Andrew runs our Twitter page and our Facebook page. You can find those at... So you can find our Facebook at Andrew and Andrew on uh, Facebook. Uh, if you if you type us into Apple Podcasts, you type in Andrew yeah. and, we're, we're going to be in the top part of that list. Uh, and yeah. on, it's no longer Twitter, Mr. Harris. It's now X. It's X. I don't... I don't care and I will not change my ways. Uh, well, you're, you're just not going to, I mean, so unless, on, unless on Elon the X, sponsor the show and then so I will, if Elon starts charging us a dollar, you will not find Andrew and Andrew on Texas criminal. Things <laughs> on oh, the that's X. so true. No, find um, us on threads. Currently you can find us at a and a T X crim def on the X. Uh, and that is actually how several of our uh, listeners contact us. And what about, um, what about truth social? We have that. No, 
Do we have? <laughs> I have a personal Instagram, so I can follow my kids. I don't know. Uh, not. I don't have. I don't have time for that. Uh, I also have a, a an Instagram page for my uh, for the business, really Harith Law. But but uh, but anyway, in, in any way you want to get out to it, you want to get a hold of us, please do. Uh, we do read all of those emails and requests, and we'll reach out to you. Uh, you don't have to be a guest, though. We would love it if you were. Yeah, we would. So, well, for Mr. Harris, I'm Mr. Decker. And for Mr. Decker, I am Mr. Harris. Y'all be good. good.